Hello dear heart, welcome to the Flourishing Practitioners Podcast, where we talk all things about space holding, caring for our clients and succeeding in our businesses. We explore the wisdom from coaches, counsellors and healers. My name's Gabrielle Walker and I'm so honoured that you're here. Let's dive in. Hi, beloved. So this is a fairly recent conversation with my friend, Wendy Ewens, who's based in Auckland, New Zealand. Wendy and I went to school together and we met around about intermediate age, so 11 or 12, which in New Zealand is between primary school and high school. Very honoured to have this discussion and grateful to get to talk with someone who has known me for a long time. It's something I do miss being in Australia is people knowing me now and maybe not knowing some of my messier sides or some of my angsty sides and there's something just beautiful about connecting with people who have known you from when you were younger. Uh, Wendy is my first port of call normally when I go home to New Zealand and I think of her often because her mum made me a peg holder that I still use. I've had it for years. (laughs) It is slowly falling apart but yeah she is intertwined in my life in so many beautiful ways so I'm so grateful that you can all listen to this conversation It's brought me to a moment today of just really reflecting on my childhood and those high school years and how in some ways challenging it was, but also grateful I am. And I really love some of the things she brings up in this space for me to ponder on now. I am in a phase, which you'll probably hear in this, but you may not, but to provide a little bit of background where I feel as if my priorities in life are changing I've put a lot into Wonderkind and into my business over the last 10 years. And at this moment, it just feels like a little bit of energy wants to shift up and I'm still exploring what that looks like. And I can hear it in this conversation. So just mentioning it to put it out there. I'm very open into the universe at the moment for new energies and new understanding of a way to exist in the world. So I look forward to you all connecting with Wendy. So welcome everyone. Today we're talking to Wendy Ewens, who is a leadership coach and consultant, and she works alongside leaders to support, coach, and mentor through a bespoke holistic program. Um, she was very re- until very recently the chief executive for Able New Zealand, New Zealand captioning and audio description service. She also did her undergraduate at the University of Otago and her high school studies with me at Fielding Agricultural High School, and. She's currently the chair of the Basement Theatre in Auckland. And I invited Wendy to talk today because uh, over the, uh, the years, we were pretty good friends in high school, really. And you've been one of my better friends as I've transitioned to Australia and connected. And I always see you when I go home. And we've had these chats about leadership in different contexts, we've taken very different paths, but that are weirdly crossing at this time in a way with you being stepping into the coaching space. So welcome, Wendy. No, thank you for having me. I'm excited for this conversation. Oh, and I just wanted to mention as well a little shout out because I probably won't get the opportunity to do so. That Ryan, Wendy's husband, created the intro to the podcast. So when you hear that sound, we'll give him a thanks. Oh, and she's also awesome mama. My my first curiosity would be about how it is coaching outside of an organization for you different than coaching within it? What how's that felt for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it feels a lot easier to do outside of a traditional workplace setting. I think when you're in an 
organization you have a lot of pressures on you as a leader to like deliver results for an organization or to work towards some kind of strategic plan or objectives and so any kind of coaching and mentoring you're doing within that while that can be like a really valuable setting for developing new leaders it also just is so tied up with all of those other pressures of being inside a workplace so I'm finding it really liberating to be able to do this coaching work outside of that Um, and it's actually a real it feels like a real privilege to get to kind of be invited into someone's workplace Um, they share with you all of the hard bits or all of the challenging bits and you get it's not so much offer wisdom but just kind of work work alongside them to um, unpack those challenges and help them to maybe see a different perspective the I guess the beauty of it is that you're on the outside so you don't have all of those pressures on you and so it actually always seems quite simple to me when I'm on the outside of it the problems and issues are totally understandable but it seems the answers seem quite simple because you're not facing all those other pressures and so um yeah I'm, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying being kind of on the outside looking in rather than doing it from the inside yeah I really relate to that as well I start before I started doing coaching I was doing like consulting for different organizations and had the same thought like it seemed really simple to me and then once you actually get in it you're like oh oh there's a lot going on <laughs> that, that you don't always think of at the time and I was young on top of that so I just thought I knew all the answers I want to go back though and ask you in terms of your journey yeah what what inspired you to step into the coaching space you know it's interesting because since I've started coaching I've started like connecting with and just following the work of lots of other people in the coaching space and I think I'm probably a little bit different to lots of them quite a practical person I wouldn't say a black and white person but just a like I just like to follow a set of practical steps to get me to whatever conclusion I need to. And so in the coaching space, I don't know, sometimes I just think people are making it maybe harder or a bigger thing than it needs to be. And so I think what I am bringing to the coaching space is actually just like probably just the supportive ear that I wish that I had had as a leader when I was chief executive of ABLE, um, which I was in that role for nearly a decade um, and took the organization from being like, I was the founding chief executive through to, yeah, taking it through a pretty um, big journey and expansion over that, over that decade. I think that um, I had lots of great mentors around me, but I didn't really have someone that partnered alongside me for that whole time coaching and supporting and being really truly independent, which I think it's just something that I can do for for people that are, are looking for a, a coach. And so I've been really um, enjoying playing that role and just bringing, I guess, quite a practical approach to it. And yeah, letting go of some of that, I don't know, that business speed, just talking around in circles about things instead of just actually going, what's the issue here? What do we need to do to get there? How how can I support this leader to be to be their best um, and support them with whatever things are a challenge for them personally? Because it is different for each person, you know, what things they find challenging about leadership. Some people find, you know, it's more working with their team members um, or getting the best out of their team members is really challenging. Other people might find that it's uh, working with a board or maybe it's um, 
leading the organization forward or making some tangible change or maybe it's dealing with criticism or dealing with differing opinions all of those things can be really hard for leaders I think the work of a coach is actually figuring out what are the what are the issues and what are the barriers because it often ends up being different to what people first come to me with I'm just nodding vigorously because I so agree I feel like someone's like comes and they're like this is what I'm working on and then when you dig it's like oh that we're in a completely different direction did you find that you do draw on your experience a lot in terms of how you conceptualize when you're coaching it's like thinking of your your past experiences or do you find like people were presenting with different things how do you navigate that as my colleagues and people that I work with would tell you I love to um, tell like a story and love to connect the challenges people are facing with stories and experiences that I have had having done that work as a chief executive and then working alongside people in those roles it's kind of great for them because I guess I'm someone who who has had similar experiences and so have actually been in those situations and so things that I've experienced in, in my time working in that kind of role so I think that's can, that's can be um, really valuable for people and um, means probably I'm just bringing something slightly different to a regular leadership coach which I'm not saying it's something better it's just something a different a different angle uh, yeah I go back to that word practical results driven kind of um, <laughs> approach for those listening so maybe if they're listening and they're stepping into more of a leadership role it might not be a CEO or anything maybe having staff or what what would you say for that to them to like tap into I, I tend to think that like be, being a good leader or becoming a good leader is actually just about being a good person and if you are a good person then you know you have the ingredients to become a good leader and in your own unique way so everybody's going to lead in a different way you can certainly learn some leadership skills like and you can for instance you could do training in a particular area that you might need to upskill in but actually you can't change who you are and so embrace who you are really know yourself and know what your strengths are and then really get to know your team members or the people that you're leading and get to know what their strengths are and then just generally be a good person be open and honest be curious about the people that you are leading and be honest with yourself you know be kind be welcoming I think if you can do all of those things you've actually yeah you've got the ingredients of of being a great leader so it's just tapping into inherently who you are and then understanding the people that you're working with there's no secret to it it's just yeah be a good person yeah, it doesn't need to be this kind of complicated or scary thing. We're all leading in small ways in our lives anyway. And so if you are stepping into more of a leadership space in your work in some way, um, it's just a further kind of growth and development of that. Yeah, I think that's so true. Just be a good person. <laughs> I feel like we're, we're hungry for good people in the world. <laughs> that's my personal view. Yeah. I, I remember at, at one point having a discussion with you about uh, women's equality and leadership and the difference between maybe the pathway for women and men. And yeah, I wonder if you had anything, any thoughts on that at all? Oh, yeah, I feel like that's a whole topic in itself. Yeah, look, I th- I I have a lot of thoughts on that. I first stepped into like see a senior leadership role when I was quite young. Um, so I was in my late twenties when I first stepped into a chief executive role. Um, and before that, I'd been in like kind of middle management, senior management kind of roles. So I'd already had a bit of a taste of what it was like to be a young woman 
in leadership and my first leadership roles were in quite a large media organization where a lot of working with a lot of male leaders and that was definitely a steep learning curve and you know I feel like I could just wheel out all of the like old tropes about um what it's like being a woman in leadership you know if you're too um if you're too loud or you're too um, forthright then you are bossy you're being a know-it-all um or you you know whereas my male counterparts are being strong and decisive because I had to lead in a different way to be recognized and to be valued I guess as a leader so that was challenging when I first stepped into a chief executive role I was in my late 20s um, and you know it was just a bit um, it's just a little bit I guess unusual people sometimes were surprised generally I was really well supported the um, the board that supported me into that role was older male they were super supportive of me which was really awesome I think it's great to have people that are allies and supportive but I came up against so many challenges where I felt that I was not listened to um, that I was not respected because of my age sometimes because of my gender and yeah that was really challenging for me and I think I found and you know I tried to fight against it and that was very tiring um, I think as I like know if it was as I got older or maybe just as I got more experienced and started to realize that actually I was doing a good job and that things were going well um that I started to just go actually I can't change people's minds I can't change their perceptions of me so all I can do is focus on doing a good job and the rest will come and actually those people that were critical just kind of fell fell away or or they changed their mind and later became supporters and so it kind of the noise died down and it didn't really matter but um I definitely found that challenging like just for my own confidence as well like it knocked my confidence um and so I had to work really hard on developing that confidence this phase in my life so now in my late 30s I've got two two young children I've stepped back from um leading a you know an organization starting to grow my own coaching work and definitely a, a phase in my life where I, I see the stark differences for men building their leadership careers versus um, women and, um, and mothers who are trying to grapple with the challenges of having small children and what that kind of means for a, a developing career, I guess. Um, and so yeah, I'm you know, I'm embracing this season of life, but I'm also there's a part of me that just wants to rail against the stereotype, but there's also a part of me that that wants to uh, spend as much time as I can with my children and get to enjoy the the beauty of their their you know childhood, especially their their really you know younger years. And so I, I'm doing that and loving it, but I'm also, um, there's a part of me that just wants to scream out, like, I'm still here, I've still got value, I've still got worth, and I still have something to offer. It's, it's a challenge, and I, I don't have all the answers for it. Yeah, I so relate to that. I think it's complex, because in some ways, it, it can also be nourishing, you, you know, to have that opportunity and that experience as women. But it's also, yeah, a large part of you doesn't always get to express 
and or know how to balance it within the current structures that our society has set up so yeah I, I really liked how you articulated that and I liked how you put it as you said quite practically <laughs> in terms of how how it does show up for women because I know I know quite a few different women who are navigating a similar type experience at the moment of just how we navigate having different parts of us that want different things and of course want to be there for our families but also want to express all the goodness too so yeah thank you thank you for saying that do you how do you see or do you see a difference between a manager and a leader or are they the same thing for you? Uh, I think they're really different things, actually. Um, so I think a a manager manages, so they um, they oversee tasks, they oversee um, pieces of work or projects, um, and that's great. Every you know, um, work and projects need managers, and um, people need to manage stuff. So that's um, some people are really good at managing things, and that's awesome. Leaders inspire and motivate, and they help bring out the best in their teams. And I like to think of it as, um, I often hear that term and, and use it myself, like how do you bring out the best in your people? But actually I think it's how do you give your best to your people so that they can do their best. And I think that's what a leader does is gives their best to their team. A leader is someone that you want to follow that um, inspires and motivates you. Yeah, I remember reading one thing, I can't remember who said it now, but it was like, if you're the leader, that you're constantly giving love notes to your to your people that are following you, because it's like your love that you're giving so that they can walk and express themselves as well. I quite liked that. It was like, I like bringing humanity into it, into the world, <laughs> rather than like technical <laughs> jargon. <laughs> um, part of what inspired me to ask you uh, to have this podcast, besides from your your breadth of experience in the coaching was our upbringing because <laughs> I was I'm always I often think of it I guess moving to Australia and pretty much having left New Zealand when I was 17 18 I often see and think of at least high school and go it was a pretty unique education <laughs> and it, it, at least I don't know it inspired me to think and put things together differently in a way and I I was curious about how how you perceived our education and in terms of leadership or where it's led you and us I know that's pretty broad but I'll let you answer it I don't know I just love that we're actually doing this podcast and then I remember us as like you know children (laughs) just um yeah so Gabrielle and I um grew up in Fielding uh in rural New Zealand and we yeah we first I think we first met at Intermediate so we were about 11 or 12 uh or 11 I guess um and we were in the same class, became friends then and then stayed friends right through our schooling and, and like we're in the same classes throughout our intermediate and high school years. Yeah, we had very similar kind of childhood. Actually, it's funny because I, you know, talked, mentioned a couple of times about having like a really practical kind of approach. I think it was a very practical education. Um, I think when you're in it, you don't realize that it's quite unusual or unique and it wasn't until you know when I first um, moved up to uh, Auckland to start work and was starting work in like a you know um, graduate role um, in a a large media organization it was the people seemed quite glamorous to me you know I think one of the first things we did was we went out to a a bar as a group you know like a social occasion for my colleagues and 
it was very you know people were drinking wine and they were like having this very glamorous time and I just was I felt like a real fish out of water and just talking to people about where they had come from was where I started to go okay people these people are not like me and they have not grown up like me you know they have grown up in cities and that is a very different experience to what mine was um you know in some ways I think we were lucky it was really unique yeah it was just a childhood that um and a, an education that was very open and yeah the school that we the high school that we went to had um, two school farms and um there was like a real agricultural component to educate the education um and the setting was in yeah very small town where there was um there wasn't a lot to do so we made our own fun um <laughs> and yeah I would say it was fairly free, like it was a fairly free childhood and teenage years um and we were quite we we're all quite yeah practical teenagers who just kind of I don't know got on with the business of being teenagers but did it in this like unique rural kind of setting yeah I so agree when I think of well at, like home, home but also high school there was this aspect of like every type of person but you sort of didn't know everyone was different like you did but you didn't and I think that's that seems quite different to how high schools are here where that like difference is emphasized and even when I think of how they prepared us for like exams and stuff like when I because I did my uni here in Australia I, it was just surprising to me that, that people hadn't been drummed with these ways of like this is how you do an exam <laughs> like over and over and over you know these sort of skill sets that at the time I did not appreciate but as it, like later when I was doing my sort of studies I was like oh there's actually quite practical and useful skills that and always getting pushed into something or other but yeah I was also I was also thinking because I couldn't remember if I'd met you at intermediate or at guides or brownies or something maybe I mean it's a very interconnected kind of community so we could have we did I remember I remember seeing you there as well so I did, we might have that might have come first yeah and I was trying to remember if I'd learned anything from guides <laughs> and I don't think I just remember being really shy and I think mum just wanted me out of the house or something <laughs> I don't but yeah is, is there anything from that sort of time that you feel like you draw on now in your life living in Auckland I guess it's, it's quite at least in a New Zealand context it's quite a different place and space you always draw on your past experiences and it's part of what makes you who you are quite a shy kid and so I think that um it's only later in in my life that I've gained a confidence about who I am and about um what I have to offer and so I think I definitely um draw on that experience to like you say in our childhood you know difference was kind of accepted not not always it was certainly you know regular kind of social situation but I think that oh um, for sure I agree with you yeah, it wasn't like a utopia or anything um no did, no. Um, <laughs> um, no there was a lot going on uh, well yeah there was like I seemed quite sensitive to it but sometimes I think I'm like was that really going on or was I just like hypersensitive to things as well yeah looking back I think that um it definitely gave me that childhood and upbringing gave me an appreciation for the value that different kinds of people can bring and so to kind of extrapolate that into a workplace setting kind of go actually you need a bit of everything to to make like a um a happy kind of equilibrium and a 
a workplace that um, functions really well. And so just a, uh, acknowledging and, and valuing everybody for the, the things that they do bring, because everybody does have some, you know, has unique value and has um, something that is great about them and they might not be able to see it. But I think the, um, the work of a leader is to recognize what that is and to harness that and draw it out of people. Um, and so in fielding, you kind of got on well, got on with adults, got on with people younger than you, people that were different from you, people that I think in bigger cities or in bigger um, settings, maybe either weren't kind of coming across or didn't have those opportunities, but in like just that small town vibe, you you get to know everybody, you're involved with all sorts of different things. And so I think it gives you an ability to work with others that's in a very kind of practical helps you as you move through life in in general yeah it's cool to reflect sometimes it seems like worlds ago to me um and and when you think about like I guess I'll go to that time is there any guidance you wished you'd received from high school your childhood that you would now think is a good step towards leadership yeah if I could go back and say something to my younger self it would be it's okay to not know where you're heading and that things will work out life will work out you don't always need to know exactly what you're heading for I think I had this real idea that I needed to know what my career would be um, and that I needed to have some sort of quite specific job or career path in mind but actually life just has a way of unfolding and it's okay to jump take the opportunities that come and follow that path and let it unfold naturally and that's that's absolutely okay less stress about what my life's path would look like and I feel a lot more comfortable even now not knowing you know what the next part of my career will look like um comfortable with that and just knowing that there's opportunities out there that I don't know about yet all I can do right now is just be open to them and just equip myself as best as possible when you grow up in a small town you don't know what you don't know so you see the the jobs that are available you see what your your friends parents are doing you see what kind of businesses are operating in your area or you see what other people around you are doing and that that seems like what the options and, and opportunities are I would love for young people to just have their eyes opened to the breadth of experiences and opportunities out there I just think I had no idea what was even going on outside of fielding um and when I moved away for university, even then you're in like you're in an academic kind of bubble. And so you don't know. At that time, I thought that perhaps I would become a teacher because that seemed like what I should do. I was studying English literature because that was my favorite subject at school. Um, wasn't really a clear plan there, but I, I thought, I guess I would become a teacher um, because obviously I had known teachers and seen teachers and seen that role in action. Uh, I don't think it was an aspiration role for me it was just a like oh that seems like something I could do in an area that I enjoy and it wasn't until like my flatmate was doing a teaching degree at the time and she was telling me stories about her teaching placement and I was thinking that sounds horrible I do not want to become a teacher <laughs> and that is when I had to rethink like actually I there's not you know I should I should not become a teacher that is not what I want to do and, and then I made the call, like, actually, I will just find, I will find a graduate role and I will just start working and maybe I'll do some more study in the future or I'll do something different. I'll just find a role. Um, and that's when I found my first, first role um, 
up in Auckland um, and that yeah was kind of the you know that was the starting point for my career but I just had no idea where it would lead I think you've got to just trust that things are going to work out and um, all you could do is just equip yourself as best as possible and, and be open to the opportunities that come your way I love that I sometimes feel sometimes occasionally I mentor um, young people so like 16 17 and I always feel a little bit bad because my path wasn't exactly traditional or, you know, I, I feel similar to what you say, but probably a bit more like the naughty auntie sort of thing. <laughs> like, it'll be right. Like, because I do believe when you're that age, you, there's a bit of exploration you have to do. Maybe not as much as I did. Um, I felt very much a bit trapped, I think, in in high school in terms of the roles that were sort of told to us that you could have it so in my brain I had to be an accountant or a lawyer that that was what I was sort of receiving as a as a role that I should have which is ironic because I did end up going into being accounting as my sort of first roles I was also chuckling when you were talking because I was thinking about that um fish and chip chippy job that we had <laughs> the examples of what what jobs are but um sort of funny when you think of the the examples of what are out there and, and where we've ended up and things like that. And yeah, so is there anything else at all that you can think that you would like to share about leadership as we we wind? Uh, yeah, I definitely feel like I've come a long way from um, wrapping fish and chips and, and fielding. Yeah, that was that was a lesson for me in that this is not a job that I want. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> um, yeah, I, I remember I was just gonna say I remember the same that when I worked at the supermarket and I was like nah nope I'm getting out I need to get out this is not <laughs> this is not good <laughs> yeah I had a quite a wide range of unusual um, part-time jobs as a teenager and they all shaped me in different ways but I think yeah and I think so actually in some of them I had great leaders and in some of them not not so great kind of showed me that like at every Every level of good leadership makes a difference. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you have a good leader, you will work hard for them and you will also enjoy your work in a in a in a way and you'll find meaning in that work if you are led well. But if you do not have a good leader, or maybe you have like indifferent or passive leadership that doesn't really care about you because you're just a part-time high school student doing your doing your work, that is not motivating and inspiring. And so actually you know, your leadership matters, whatever kind of leadership you are doing, it matters, and that there are people looking to you. Those those early experiences of leadership for me uh, definitely taught me a thing or two about what matters in leaders. And it comes back to kind of what I said at the beginning about just being a good human is really important. <laughs> and, and if you could imagine the world, uh, if, if things could change, what would you like leaders to be doing? The world is changing so rapidly, you know, even like if we just imagined where things were five years ago, the world completely changed. It's been, feels like it's been quite rapid. And even now, like in the, you know, in the areas that I work in, the, the rate of change in technology has been so rapid. So with, you know, artificial intelligence kind of coming in and that kind of technology just really taking off, it's kind of drawing, bringing into question, like, what's the value of people and what is the value that like people bring? No, I think it's really important to just recognize the beauty of people and what they bring to life and to relationships and that the relationships you have with people are so important. And if you are leading in a in a space, whether it's like in a work sense or in some other kind of 
way in your life, the people that you are working with, you know, they are whole people. They are not just workers who are coming to work to fulfill a particular role. They're actually whole people with lives, with families, and with all the complexities that make up life. And when you do, when you come into a work setting, you are actually bringing that whole self to work. Um, so even though like, you're not bringing your kids along with you, or you're not bringing your like, um, your challenges along with you in a physical sense, you're bringing them along in a like, in an emotional and a psychological kind of sense. And that actually, as a leader, you have to acknowledge and, and recognize that about people um, and know how to work with that and how to respect that um but also obviously do the work and you know enable your people to do the work mm-hmm. alongside all the kind of thing other things going on for them and the world is it's complex and it's mm-hmm. messy and leadership is never going to be this tidy thing that you can wrap up neatly and so being a great leader is just about learning to navigate this messy complex world and learning to work with people who are messy and complex and all have a unique and interesting value and and what would you say to a messy complex person who's in an organization (laughs) as a leader (laughs) I, I would say like recognize and own your own value that if you feel messy and complex it's because you are and everybody is and I think we have like we're living in this world now where everything is like very instagrammable um and you can see this version of people that they are sharing with the world whether it's on Instagram or LinkedIn or whatever social media platform you're you're on you're looking at what people are prepared to put out in the world about themselves and that is not their whole selves as much as I try not to do it of course you do it you you take a you know you take a photo of yourself or you don't show the messy kitchen behind you um you make sure that that's not on you know on view um sense you you know you sort of go wow look at this wonderful project I've achieved but you don't um you don't show that actually um it was over budget and that it was um actually a bit of a failure in these other areas <laughs> you're just highlighting the successes know your own value and know that the work you're doing is important and that you have a role to play and that all you can do is do your best with what you have um, and so sometimes what you have uh, are all the resources that you need and that's great you're going to do a great job but sometimes you don't have all those resources or you don't have that capacity and that's okay just work with what you have and do your best with the time that you have the capacity that you have you're not always going to be able to give 100 percent. that have you heard of the glass balls analogy I read about it years ago and it's always stayed with me and it's about the different parts of your life are a glass balls right so you're you're some some of those balls are glass, um, some of those balls are plastic, and so some balls you can drop and they will bounce back, and other balls are glass, and if you drop them, they will break. And so, like, your family is a glass ball. Your, you know, a project at work, well, that might be a plastic ball, that might be something that can, can bounce back. Um, your health is a glass ball, right? You need to look after your health. You don't want to drop that. And so it's, I think you can kind of use that analogy for either just in a work setting, you can kind of go in your work, there are some things that are plastic balls and some things that are glass balls, or you can use it for your whole life and go, some things are so important, I can't drop them. Um, And so it's like figuring out what those boundaries are, but just being 
really clear to yourself on what is important and what are the things that you need to make sure you really cherish and look after and what what are those things that are, are really important to you um, and make sure that you you don't drop them and you you look after them as as much as possible because the other things will bounce back they might not be perfect but they will bounce back and they will be okay or maybe somebody else can catch them sometimes um, there are some things that only you can catch and only you can look after um, and so cherish those things and, and make sure you remember what what's important to you in your life I love that it's actually really um, fitting for me at the moment as well just some of my priorities and ways of life are changing so I, I, I love I'm going to ponder on that one thank you <laughs> and I also just had that thought um, when you were talking of as part of the training I do, lots of people are stepping out of the corporate into running a business. And I think it's exactly the same thing. Like we can sometimes, I think when you step into doing something on your own, you can take more responsibility for it. Well, at least I did than I do or did with work stuff. Like at work, I was very aware of those boundaries and going, this is the boundary. But when it's me, my, my sort of vision or I'm doing this, it's like I would take, it would feel more it would feel more glass, but it probably wasn't, you know? So I think it's a good for, for people stepping into that space of doing their own project as well to some things feel really important, but they're not as important as our family and our health. Yeah. And I think they can feel important in the moment, but when you think about what will feel important in say a year's time or in 20 years time or 30 years time, you know, is it that work thing? And that sometimes it might be. Um, or is it actually that family thing or that personal thing, that um, relationship or um, your health? Um, those things are, you know, the things that will stay with you. And actually, um, yeah, I think that uh, it's just getting that perspective can be hard and, you know, don't always get the balance right. But I, you know, mm. I, I try. I work, I'm a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> same, same. <laughs> Recovering perfectionist. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you so much Wendy I really really appreciate that I enjoyed it a lot and loved hearing your perspective and what you're up to yeah thank you so much for having me I've really enjoyed this um, and I love that we have you know, just come full circle um, I would love to go back to those uh, you know 11 year old girls uh, in fielding and <laughs> Tanning, tanning on the um the, the, I always remember like pulling my skirt up and sitting on the, <laughs> on the lawn <laughs> Yes, <laughs> making sure you get the full tan. Um, yeah, just right up. <laughs> I really appreciate our um yeah our lifelong friendship, and I um I look forward to just having more conversations like this. And one day we'll be old ladies, just um <laughs> you know, laughing our heads off about <laughs> everything. So yeah, yeah, we'll be like, remember when we did that podcast? <laughs> <laughs> what a podcast! They don't even exist anymore. <laughs> Technology's so much. All right, and thank you so much. I really appreciate you.